The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The Chicago Bears lose a bad one as they drop their fifth straight game to the rival Packers 41-25 in a game coming off their bye week. I bring on Jack Arsalo, Windy City Gridiron's newest staffer, to talk through the game with me on this episode of Bear With Me. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And today I've got a treat for y'all as we get to hear from one of Windy City Gridiron's newest additions as Jack Sallow, author of the Saturday Spotlight column, as well as a couple of dens, gets to join me after this thrilling post by Bears-Packers game that, to be honest, guys, was anything but... And it, it was a it's a lot of a game to chew through. But Jack, I'll start with you, because obviously I'm one with plenty of thoughts and opinions about anything. And while I could fill the next 20 minutes talking, let's start with your take. What did you think of this game? It's a tough one, a tough pill to swallow. You never like losing to a rival and you never like losing to anybody when you're actually competing for a playoff spot. Um, after the Cardinals lost, there was a, uh, a window open, uh, not quite a door uh, to run through, but they, they had a chance if they could, you know, put some string together a couple of wins at the end of the year. And uh, now that window is uh, pretty close to, to closed at this point. Um, it just doesn't look great for the Bears right now and uh, pretty disappointed to be saying that. And it's not even December. So one thing that's so funny, Jack, that you mentioned, it's well worth talking about. So I noticed earlier today that this football weekend couldn't have worked out better for the Bears, both in the sense of playoff spot, because like you're talking about, the Cardinals lost, but also in draft position, because with the 49ers winning and the Giants winning and the Patriots winning and a whole bunch of these four three-win teams taking wins, like the Washington football team if the Bears lost or won they actually got what they needed from the field either way but you bring up a strong point that for any Bears fans that were still thinking playoff spots this one hurts even more because it wasn't even we hadn't even started the for the fourth quarter yet and it was already 10 to 41 like the Packers seemed to check out of the game the Bears defense seemed to check out of the game this one felt way too much like 2019's uh what is it New Orleans game where 
where the Saints ran up and down the field and then Mitch cranked out two touchdowns to end the game. And I couldn't stand just about a minute of it. Like, it was almost fun, but with Aaron Rodgers starting out three for three against the Bears defense and making it look easy as he just sliced and diced and did everything that he's we've known him to do as Bears fans for years, this one felt like a dagger to the gut. Like, from the start all the way to the finish. And I gotta tell you, I'm not one to call for firings. I'm one who's definitely been frustrated with the direction of the team. But sitting at 5-5, five and five, I think you'd agree, this was a real precipice game, a turning point game. If they beat the Packers, that's a huge, monumental statement coming out of the bye week. And instead, I don't know if you know this, Jack, they're the only team in the NFL at the moment that is 0-7 coming out of bye weeks. Absolutely everybody else in the NFL over the last seven years has gotten a win, but not the Bears, who have lost every single game coming out of a bye week. You said it well. It's a tough pill to swallow, and I don't know what the Bears do from here, as they've now lost consecutive games to rivals, and they've scored no more than 10 points in their last three games in the first three quarters. I mean, this is... This is getting back-breaking at this point, especially against a defense against the Packers that's just not crazy good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And uh, you can see it in the players' faces um, and the the way the defense is tackling or not tackling. Uh, They're not into it, and it's as a fan, you almost aren't into it when you can see that the players aren't into it. And that's what's uh, one of the worst things about it. Yep. One thing that really hurt me, at least, was in that very first drive. I So I had told people about this on uh, Rule of Three earlier this week, that eventually we'd be waiting and watching, and Aaron Rodgers would fake a handoff, drop back into play action, and just burn the Bears downfield. But it wasn't off play action when on, what was it, third down in the end zone in the very first drive of the game, Aaron Rodgers got six seconds, I think more than six seconds, just sitting in the pocket, waiting for his opportunity before defining Devontae Adams in the end zone actually it may have been the second drive but either way I mean what the Bears were not able to do on defense especially with the second most expensive defense in football was I mean it was tough to watch because I know that everybody talks about how this is an offensive league but truth be told I mean you're so you you guys can't see it on the uh, on the airwaves but I'm sitting here in my trusty old Jake Cutler jersey Jack sitting here in is that MT10 yep <laughs> yeah, you better believe it. So we're both broke it back here. out. I had to blow some dust off it, Why but not? It, it was there. <laughs> and we're both sitting here wearing Bears jerseys, and you better believe that means that I would love to see the navy and orange turn the tables and remind everybody that you can play defense in the modern day. But in this game in particular, all of a sudden it looked like offense was just making defense obsolete because Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers put on a clinic. And sure, I mean, I would love Eddie Jackson to make a tackle down the line too because he missed his fair share tonight. But a lot of what they were doing just looked flat out out of this league. Like they looked well better than just about anything the Bears could put up. They were making the Bears defend with all 11 guys. They couldn't. Kept consistently getting Danny Trevino and matched up against Devontae Adams through smart offense. It was hard to watch because it just looked like one team that was better than another whipping him. And I hate being the team on the receiving end of that. What is this now? 18 of the last 21 meetings we've had with the Packers? Like, I think we've just won three of these, and this is getting ridiculous. 
and they keep putting it on national television. Just uh, the public <laughs> spanking. <laughs> Why? What's the point? <laughs> but yeah, so at this point, Jack, when you look at this, okay, so do, were you happy, sad? I guess we have to talk about it at some point with the performance of Mitch Trubisky. Did he change anything about your opinion of him? What did you think? Uh, no, not much has changed. Uh, I thought that first interception was uh, the ball that we've seen him throw here for uh, four years now, where he overthrows uh, both the receiver and the defender. This time, there was another f- defender who caught up to it. And, uh, you know, we're so used to those overthrows that we forget how many of them could have been interceptions if a defender had gotten there. This time, one got there. Uh, the second one... Um, it was just a bad read. It, it was uh, purely a bad read, and we've been seeing that for years now too. And um, still didn't he didn't do much with his legs. Uh, haven't seen that in a while. Him really just be a dual threat quarterback. Uh, he can still he has a little bit of escapability, but it's not much. It's not nearly enough. Not what you need. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think his stat line on uh, rushing is uh, three carries for eleven yards. You know, that's not that, that, that doesn't say the dual threat quarterback. And yeah, nope. One thing that stunk about this game, Jack, was for the first little while. I mean, interception included. I'm going to be totally honest, like interception and fumble. All of a sudden, like I got the chance to remind myself why it is that so many fans are still to this day in love with Mitchell Trubisky. That's going to sound weird, but I mean that. On a couple of those play-action passes where he drops back, he looks nice and calm and fires a strike into Allen Robinson's hands, or punches a quick out into, a lot of times it is also Allen Robinson, off of a slant that picks up 10 yards, or the occasional quick out that somebody makes a play after the catch, or a look downfield where he checks it down, gets 8 yards, On all the plays where things go well, Mitch Trubisky looks like an NFL quarterback. Maybe more than that. Like, he looks as if not only does he belong in the league, but hey, maybe this guy could push for top 12. I'm talking just visually, right? He looks young, he looks sleek and modern and athletic, he looks like he could be dangerous. And then the overthrow is just a little too far, and it's picked off in the end zone. Kills a big drive at a big point in the game, ends up with the Bears down two scores. And then all of a sudden, Jack, he's sacked on third down, and he holds the ball out in front of him and allows the linebacker to punch it out. I haven't seen Nick Foles, who's been sacked and hit a lot in a Bears uniform, give up one of those. And to see Mitch Trubisky come back in and fumble off of a sack kind of reminds me that it actually happens more than I'd like to admit with Mitch in quarterback, and I'm not trying to kill the guy for it, I just know Daniel Jones and Jay Cutler even got a ton of grief for fumbles at the quarterback spot, and it's easy to forget that actually the quarterback has quite a bit of control over that, and then add in the other plays, like what was it in the third quarter, the the botched mesh point where Trubisky fumbled and had to fall on it, and of course the bad read later in the game, yeah, I mean, The trouble with Mitch is that there are so many of these plays that look so pretty. They look like this guy could build on them. And then you get the bad ones and you end up with a guy who I believe at one point was 15 for 33 or 15 out of 33 for 150 yards, uh, one touchdown and two picks. And that was the point at which the game was like 10 to 41. And it's probably out of reach and everything else. I don't want to say it doesn't matter because, of course, you complete a couple more passes and you never know it could be a comeback 
back around the corner. But I will say that the two touchdowns to end the game probably mean a lot less to me and you than they mean if they had happened any earlier. I don't know. It's it's a huge bummer because it's just a, such a reminder that neither Nick Foles nor Mitchell Trubisky is any some kind of a true option for the Bears right now at quarterback. And I wish they could be. But here we are sitting at five and six, having to start thinking about what's next for this franchise, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I watched the games with my girlfriend and she was saying she joked, you know, do they even have a third stringer who they can throw in there? And I said, well, he's pretty bad, too. (laughs) I mean, that's the tough part, right? Quarterback in the NFL is so outstandingly difficult. And I'd love it if it wasn't. I'd love it if it was easier to find somebody that can, quote unquote, just work. But I guess we saw with the Broncos what happens when like a true practice squatter gets put in the game. He threw five passes and I think one of them he completed to his team. Two of them he completed to the opposing team and two of them fell harmlessly to the ground. So NFL quarterbacking. It's tough, and nobody said it isn't. But man, when Aaron Rodgers is on the other side of the field, it only makes it worse because he makes it look so outstandingly easy. It's frustrating watching him play, knowing just how far off the Bears quarterbacks are. Yeah. No, that touchdown that he threw where he, uh, I think he checked a flat route, and then he looked left and waited for the guy to get open left, and then when it didn't happen... He bought just a couple seconds with his legs and then looks back to the right and found, I believe, Alan Lazard wide open. And that was, you know, making it to a third read while buying time with your feet and uh, in the, you know, goal line, finding a guy in the end zone. And and it's like, I don't know that I've seen a a Bears quarterback do that. And uh, or at least not in a while. Cutler would do that from time to time. But, you know, it'd be in a game where he threw three interceptions. Right. That one in the play where Rodgers rolled to his left and got Eddie Jackson moving to his left, then had his tight end split downfield, made a back or made a cross body throw rolling left to beat the uh, to beat the deep Eddie Jackson with Roquan Smith in his face. I mean, the guy was just on another level. Considering that he's about to turn 37, I think they said this Wednesday. It's just outstanding what he's able to do with the ball in his hands and I mean it's backbreaking because I I, what I guess I would say is if anything watching Devontae Adams and uh and out or whoa not Allen Robinson (laughs) Aaron Rodgers and so many of these other Packers offensive players reminded me just why offense has taken off in comparison to defense you need 11 great like amazing defensive players or else the entire brunt of the defense is going to fall on how Buster Screen and Danny Trevathan defend against or Allen Robinson again with screwing up these names Devontae I don't know where this is coming from Jack I'll blame it on the lateness but so like it felt as if Buster Screen and Danny Trevathan bore the almost the entirety of that early game plan against Devontae Adams it felt like exclusively and that's what offense and defense are these days it's your best offensive player up against one of their worst defensive players and it's almost just a taken given in every game except for Chicago where we trust our defense more than we trust our offense and here throughout what was it the first half I think our offense netted three points scoring a touchdown against itself it's been brutal to watch and 
as much as I would love to pretend like I think Mitch changed a ton, that early run with uh, David Montgomery was awesome, partially because we finally switched up our offensive line. We've made it almost 10 minutes into the show, Jack. We haven't talked about the fact that Rashad Coward finally didn't play for the Bears, and the Bears' offensive line actually looked kind of okay on the not drop back passing plays the running plays certainly seemed like they had much more success than they'd had in a while but it didn't feel like it amounted to a ton and it's no, a huge bummer at right tackle a fetty at right tackle on run plays did surprise me mm-hmm. him but there weren't many run plays to look at in yeah. that uh, montgomery had 11 carries the, and what was a it? lot of them were you know, because the game script forced the Bears to pass so much just to try to keep up, you know, yeah. a lot of them were in scenarios where uh, the, you know, they got the Packers really thinking pass, and that's when they run. And that helped Montgomery a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Not only that uh, first play, but I thought he actually had a pretty nice game. But again, that game script, they were just, you know, he got the benefit of being able to run when the defense was really thinking pass. Which was great. I mean, what was it? I think Montgomery, last I checked, ended with nine carries. Did he get 11 total? He did. Okay, 11 total, and he broke 100 yards for the first time in what feels like forever. So he also started us off with that beautiful, was it a 57-yard run uh, right off the bat as he raced all the way almost down to the goal line? I mean, Dave Montgomery had a perfectly fine game today, also receiving five balls for 40 yards, and he always looks like a dynamo when he, what is it, he'll catch a ball about three yards off the line of scrimmage, plant that big right foot, and just change direction and cut like 130 degrees the other direction and uh and he'll be off and running and it's impressive i mean watching david montgomery is a great reminder of what he could do if he just had a, a solid offensive line that could open a hole when he needs it to because he's not an outside runner he's not the guy who's going to bounce just about anything so you're gonna have to create holes up the middle but given those holes, like what what was it? I think it was Cody Whitehair and uh, and Sam Mustafer opened that early hole for the 57-yard run. He can make do with that running lane, and he certainly tried to. That was a huge bummer also because to start the game off, the Bears had two crucial drops with Cole Komet uh, losing control of what seemed like a perfectly fine Trubisky pass and Allen Robinson dropping yet another contested catch over the top of a defensive back. It was... You look back, and this was a game where the Bears definitely had their opportunities to win. And sure, you're never going to want to pin this all on the quarterback. I don't think that's fair. Like, the quarter or the Bears' offense is a little too dysfunctional to say this was somehow Mitch's fault. But the skill players didn't necessarily come through early in the game. The quarterback did make his fair share of mistakes. The run game got away from them way too quickly. And the defense started off with a 20-point deficit. So, it's this was a tough one. Like, this is a real, uh, I called, the, what was it, the Colts game a cold shower, Jack? I don't know what that makes this, because the whole Bears style of life, like a defense first team that's just trying to do enough on offense, all of that is in question right now. And I don't know what they do from here. Yeah, well, from here, um, I, I think uh, I'm never a fan of tanking. So I think you do try to, you do try to string a couple of wins together still. Um I understand the argument for, you know, going for a better draft position and everything. Uh, but still, you don't want um, you don't want everybody knowing that your franchise is a joke. At least try not to be. 
And uh, there are some teams that I've seen obviously tank. I've seen teams try to tank. That's much more of an NBA thing, but you do see it in the NFL still. From time to time, teams will intentionally tank a little bit. And you just, you know those teams. Yep. And I don't want the Bears to be part of that. What I at least struggle with, Jack, though, is that I look at a lot of these teams, right? Like I look at the Chargers, and they have their young blood in Justin Herbert, who's running around and looking like everything we wanted Mitchell Trubisky to look like, and they can't buy a win. I mean, I, I've watched these games. I'm amazed at what keeps happening in Los Angeles. Some just unlucky heartbreak. Others like this or like today's game where they just seem like the inferior team. And at least they have their answer as a quarterback. And I look at guys like Zach Wilson, guys like Justin Fields, even guys like Trey Lance and think to myself, oh man, if the Bears could just get ahead of a couple of these teams, maybe they could get one of those guys and try to find a foundation to build their team on. And it's so complicated because like you're talking about, I hate watching the Bears lose. You know what I mean? Like there's no joy in watching the Bears lose 10 to 41 and having me ask myself, oh boy, are we in for the Tresman beating? Like, are we in for another one of these things? Or did it already happen? Like, does the score even matter? Was that basically a 50-burger? Because it kind of felt like it. Especially as Rodgers plunged that 41st point in. But it's it's so weird, right? Because at least where I'm sitting, I don't see this as anything less than a total organizational failure. And I don't know how you absolve ryan pace of any of this and if you're going to change gms it's implied that you're going to change coaches right like how many guys can survive a, a gm replacement as a coach that's also lost all these games and seen the team turn from five and zero oh to or five and one all the way down to five and six i don't probably not many so at that point are you firing everybody if you're firing everybody how does it help to win it's it feels like a mess to me, you know? Because this isn't a team that just found itself to 5-6. and six. It started at 5-1 and one and fell to 5-6 and six in the most painful way possible with abysmal offense and defense that, a lot, in plenty of games, they played extremely hard. But what's amazing to me, Jack... Okay, here's a quick question. Would you consider the Vikings game competitive? Yes or no? Okay, so if that's the case, they have played one competitive game in their last five, right? That's abysmal. That is awful. It's bad. They've been mostly against quality opponents, um, bad defenses, and you can't excuse the offense, you know, uh, how they, especially how they played against the Titans, really discouraged me, um, and, uh, they just, uh, yeah, they haven't looked good on offense in really any of them. Mm -mm. One thing that really stuck out to me tonight, I'd forgotten about how much, as, as much as I understand Nick Foles is not exactly tight to his chest with keeping the ball safe, I didn't expect the Mitch offense to come in and immediately mean three turnovers. I really didn't. Like, Mitch has generally been pretty good about keeping the ball safe, and so to see two interceptions and a fumble today actually did surprise me. That didn't feel normal. But then again, he threw, he threw another one that coulda, shoulda, woulda been intercepted at the uh, at the end of the game, too, so definitely a loose night for Trubisky. 
I don't know, Jack. I, I want to find some kind of hyper positive here, but I feel like I'm looking at a wide receiver one that can't make contested catches. I'm looking at, hey, a running back that's playing about as well as he can in David Montgomery. Like, this was a very, very good night from him. And then I guess I'll have to go back to the tape and see Whitehair's day. Charles Leno got destroyed all night long, and he never plays well against the Packers because Preston and Zadarius Smith are both the kind of rusher that succeed a lot against Leno. But this was, I mean, I don't want to just belabor the point, right, that this was really bad, but I don't know what else to say because I'm sitting here after, like, in post game talking about the Titans game and the Vikings game the same way, right? At least on this one, we actually ran the plays we attempted to run. Like, our execution wasn't absolutely abysmal. At least they looked like they tried to run their plays. But unfortunately, tonight, they just didn't look like they were good enough. You know? that This was, this was a, a really chilling reminder that even, what is this, the 18th defense, or 18th ranked defense by DVOA. And I'm sure, I don't know what stats you look at, Jack, but you may look at very different statistics, and I'm sure you'll find Green Bay is, at best, slightly below average, and at worst, pretty bad according to how often they get scored on but tonight they were they were great according to the way the bears defense played them for the first three quarters and that's a really bad sign given the state of the team and i don't know what that means for the outlook yeah you never want to be another team's turnaround game (laughs) when a bad defense comes to town and shuts your offense down and then they can say all right you know it was that bears game that's when we really came to life on defense Ick, that stinks, especially when it's against the green and gold. But hey, Jack, let's let's step aside for a little bit, and we'll give the sponsors a word so that they can you know, get their ads in. We'll talk to you guys in a bit. Be right back. And we're back on Bear With Me with myself, Robert Schmitz, and Jack R. Sallow here digesting this Bears-Packers game. And let's let's try to do what we can here, Jack, to talk positively about this game. One thing that I will say is that at least we can look back and say that Akeem Hicks was out, and I do think that made a big difference. Pretty much for the, what is it, the last two years, if there's been one consistency, it's that when Akeem Hicks has been out, he's been, he, we have been immediately reminded with just how important he is to this defense. And you know what? I even saw Khalil Mack come through on a couple of really big pass rushes, but also the Bears and Pagano kind of kept just rushing three guys and dropping eight into coverage. And it didn't tend to work out. But at least this defense didn't get destroyed with Akeem Hicks on the field. Is that a is that too weird a positive, or does it count? Uh, no. And uh, they talked about it. The commentators were saying that they had talked to um, the Packers head coach, uh, Matt LaFleur, and he had told them that when Akeem Hicks is out there, there's plays in his thro- playbook that he throws out. And maybe that's a bit hyperbolic. But it does speak to the value that Akeem Hicks has to this team. Mm -hmm. He's a very, very good football player and uh, a massive man. Schematically speaking, massive is is a great way to put it. The trouble with losing Akeem Hicks is that they'd already lost Eddie Goldman, which is easy to forget because we've now played 11 games without him. But 
when Goldman opted out, the Bears basically lost the ability for one of their defenders to two-gap. For those of you guys who don't know what that means, if you imagine defenders on a defensive line, the, there are special run defenders like Goldman and Hicks that can play both their inside and their outside gap. They are that good, and often they're that big. So that means that sometimes they'll even have to take on double teams and they can do that successfully. The Hicks is a two-gapper and Goldman's a two-gapper. So when the Bears lost Goldman, they had to basically play one-gap defense, which is much more normal, around Hicks, who's still two-gapped. With Hicks gone, the Packers were able to exploit the understanding the Bears would be one-gapping across the defensive line and didn't have enough bodies. And if you saw what I saw, Jack, the Packers were able to immediately exploit that to quite a few rushing yards, really giving the Packers the breathing room that they did not need as they continued to chew their way down the field. They, they, Their offense looked very very good this evening and they're a team that I definitely don't want to face again but as much as I hate to say it they do look like a very very good NFL team that who knows Aaron Rodgers may have some playoff magic yet left in him yeah they regularly had a couple linemen get to that next level and start blocking linebackers on run plays and that's when you really know that your defensive line is getting beat is when your Mm -hmm. linebackers are getting hit by offensive linemen instead of going after the running back Mm-hmm. That's and the, the e- eye test to me. Yep, and even worse is that, as I'm sure you know, Jack, the Bears linebackers aren't built to take on those linemen. There are some teams that they'll build their linebackers with old school Mike backing and Sam back. I don't, I don't think Sam backers used to do that, but the point is they'll build these big, strong linebackers, much more like Nick Kwiatkowski, that can go take on a lineman, win, and try to take on the running back. But that's not Roquan Smith's game. Like, Roquan Smith is a pass specialist, more or less, that can also make noise in the running game when left unblocked. Tonight, he was not unblocked, to say the least, as both he and Danny Trevathan had their hands full with linemen, and that was even without the Packers starting center, who I think left the game immediately and didn't come back, if I'm remembering correctly, though I I could be totally wrong on that. Uh, it's, It's tough. I, again, like the positive thing to be saying about this is that we got to see a nice hit from Jalen Johnson, and at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers was just on one, and Devontae Adams looked flat out better than both Kyle Fuller and anybody else he was matched up against, but even that seems like a thin positive. At least Darnell Mooney looked pretty good. Dave Montgomery looked solid. The line looked decent enough. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. What positives did you see tonight? Well, I'll just uh, say you mentioned a nice hit by Jalen Johnson. I take it that's when he jarred that ball loose. Yep. And I actually wrote down, I just took a couple of notes for this. And uh, <laughs> one of the things I had to write down because it frustrated me is Jalen Johnson flexing over the Packers receiver while the ball is still in the air. And I get it. <laughs> he would have had to be a magician to contort his body and get under that and, you know, somehow still also intercept that. And, I get you have a helmet on your, you know, uh, maybe you didn't see it and everything, but that ball is right there in the air. And I just, I must've seen it in slow motion. Cause I just see this thing floating down right next to him while he's looking down at a receiver, you know, bragging a little bit. And it's like balls in the air, man ball. 
the amount of times this year that Jalen Johnson has either dropped an interception, bobbled an interception, tripped in front of an interception, or like you're talking about in this case, uh, could have had an interception, but instead was really thinking hard about his hit. It's happened a lot. Like Jalen Johnson, who I believe is still interceptionless this year, is, uh, yeah, it's it's not it it's not for lack of trying, but in this case, actually, it was. So it was a beautiful hit to jar the ball loose. That's a positive, but yeah, not not what you want to see there. Uh, though I I have no idea whether that's common or whether a normal like whether that kind of reaction is is regular. You know what I mean? Like because normally you don't it expect looked like a... it would have taken a, a magical play for him to uh, pull the interception off. It's a weird one, but if only try. because exactly it's a weird one if only because the ball doesn't normally pop straight up but he didn't look so you almost wonder what would happen like the next 10 times he makes that hit does it pop the same way does that matter but either i I don't know it's this is such a weird game jack because if it sounds like i'm hammering the defense it's purely because as much as i would love to say the offense needs to be better and they do i mean we've been saying that for months years decades we've been we've been saying that about the bears for a long darn time it was also not the offense who immediately gave up their first three drives of the game into points like at some point the bears defense is supposed to establish the tempo and they didn't tonight i think that jack might be the most worrisome part because mitch trubisky didn't look like He didn't look a dotted I or a crossed T out of place. He looked exactly like the Mitch that I remember him from in 2019. You know, like enough to get you excited, but not enough to keep you excited. And really good in garbage time, ultimately enough to have some people amped up, but not a successful offense around him. That that was the Mitch I remember. That's the Bears offense that I remember. But this Bears defense wasn't supposed to give up this many points. Like, I think you take the offensive touchdown away and what, they gave up 34 tonight? Like, I was ready for 31. Uh, I was ready for 31 to 13 on a game where things fell off. But I don't think I expected, what, 21 points immediately, 14 more in the second half. Like, just a continued drudging between all of the major action that only got stopped by the fact that the Packers seemed to stop caring there at the end of the game. This was tough. Like, there's no way around this. And if I sound doom and gloomy, I'm the sad thing is I'm only trying to be honest. And there's not a great way to interpret this game in the bright side, you know? No, you're right on. And uh, you're right to say that, you know, we're, we're talking about the defense. We're talking about struggles that they had on defense. Not only because, you know, it's a, just a dead horse. Uh, the, it's talking about the offense. Uh, but also because, yeah, they gave up 34 points, 41 on the final board, but one of them was a uh, a defensive score for Green Bay. And uh, that's 34 is too much for the Bears defense to give up because the Bears defense is your identity. You have to do something right as a team. You have to have something that is your that is the thing that you do. And not giving up 34 points in a game is the thing that the Bears do. Yep. And I think that that couldn't be better put, you know, like you have to have a sword per se, like you have to have a weapon as a football team. And at least what the Bears have been able to do throughout the rest of this season, I'll even include the Tennessee game. I think there's truth to it, right, is 
they can make the other offense look as bad as their offense. So normally what the Bears have done, their keys to success per se, have been beat the snot out of the opposing offense and make them hurt so that they limp along to whatever their worst point total of the year has been. If you include New Orleans going back, I think... I don't think the Vikings count because they've had some rough games. But before the Vikings game, they held the Titans to their lowest point total of the year, the Saints to their lowest point total of the year at that point. They they had done that for quite a few teams. And tonight, obviously, 41 is actually on the higher end of the Packers' point totals. So that's not good. But unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers loves embarrassing the Bears, and I can't stand it. But that's where we're at. And speaking of embarrassing... What this makes me wonder, Jack, is now that we're 0-7 coming out of bye weeks, now that we are in the midst of a now six-game losing streak, nope, wait, just kidding, it's a five-game losing streak, maybe it'll be a six depending on how the Lions respond to their coaching firing, I start to wonder, do you think the clock is ticking on Matt Nagy? Do you think the time has run out? What about Ryan Pace? How are you feeling? Um, going into the season, I really thought that the the COVID-19 situation, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, would really uh, help with coaches that, you know, quote unquote, would be on the hot seat. Right. And uh, that's just simply not been the case. Coaches are, you know, on bad teams. Coaches are getting fired left and right lately. And uh, yeah, it, this team should be better than they are. Uh, still, I would say it would take a losing season. It would take, you know, uh, less than eight wins for him to get fired. I don't think it happens this week. I don't think it happens as soon as you might hear some people talk about. Um, but less than eight wins, you don't fire a coach that's never had a losing season. Right. But less than eight wins, and at the end of the year, yeah, Nagy's gone. It's it's definitely a question I I don't know the answer to. The only reason I'm even talking about it at this point is because the Bears have spent as much as they have in the offseason. They clearly went all in on this season, really wanting a better production out of this. And obviously a five-game losing streak with two embarrassing losses to division rivals, I would say that's going to be enough to upset George McCaskey, you know? Like, that's, that's, that's not a man that I would love to be having internal meetings with coming up. The owner of the Bears, who this is the kind of thing that never, like, he never wants to have this happen. So, it's definitely, you bring up a good point. I mean, it's got to take a losing season. At this point, I'm curious to see if the Bears could beat the Texans or the Lions even, uh, let alone the Vikings. But we'll see. They also have another game with the Packers. Never great. So uh, a losing season is despicably on the table because it just takes three more. But maybe they don't make a move till then. And if they don't, I don't know what the next set. So here's one more question, Jack. Looking in-house, right? The Bears seem to have tried just about everything they can to spark quote-unquote change. They shuffled up the offensive line and took Coward out. I actually still liked the setup that they had today. If 80 at right tackle is not my favorite, I would love to shift him over for bars and put Massey back in the lineup. But hey, this is an improvement over what it's been. Uh... They put Mitch back in instead of Nick Foles. They changed the play caller from uh, Matt Nagy to Bill Lazor. What do you see as the next step to try to get this offense moving? Is there one? Or have they fired all their bullets and it's just a matter of time now? Uh, I'd love to see more Mooney. I'd uh, love to see more Komet. 
just put the you know uh not put the kids in in the sense of you know bench starters or anything um uh but probably have i, I think they pretty much already have uh switched mooney out for miller in terms of your wide receiver too if you want to say that you know uh but yeah if you're gonna have two wide receivers out there it needs to be robinson and mooney rather than robinson and miller or robinson and someone else and uh in terms of uh tight end situation they did it a, a decent amount today i saw uh, more of Komet than i've seen i think in any other game this year and uh see more of that and uh just you know keep trying i i like uh switching around the play calling taking it away from matt Nagy, uh just to see you know if, if you're gonna go to laser uh i think he this is his first year with the team uh so see you know what he can bring uh not only just as an offensive coordinator in terms of what he can you know get him going in on pre- in practice and such but also see how he is as a play caller and if you if you like it, then you know that if you give the play call and if Nagy does somehow survive to next year, then you know that uh, if he takes play calling back, that if it's bad again, immediately go to laser. Yeah, I mean, hey, if there's one positive thing I have from this game, it's that whether uh, like I don't even mean this in the slightest way tongue in cheek is that for whatever reason it was, whether it was Matt Nagy not calling plays, whether it was the bye week, whatever happened, whenever the Bears called a play, they ran it. So that means that all five linemen correctly run blocked for each individual running play. The pass protection attempted to be in the right place. Like when the Bears got beat, it wasn't because of assignment issues. It was almost entirely because of personnel issues. It was because of Preston and Zedarius Smith bull rushing Leno into oblivion, which he is absolutely terrible at standing up to. Which, hey, that's a much more football way to lose right you'd rather get beat by Tyreek Hill's speed than blow a coverage and leave him wide open so at least on that end the offense was better but obviously it didn't exactly translate to points because it wasn't enough and they couldn't ultimately keep Trubisky upright in plenty of those like third and long situations though he was able to convert a couple of them which was awfully nice and um it just it just wasn't enough. I feel like that was the theme, right? Like I'd love to say it's some smart set of words, but it just felt like sitting there after the interception, after the fumble taken all the way back, that the offense just didn't have enough bullets in the clip per se to actually fight back with the Packers. And I don't know what change comes next, but keep trying something. Keep trying to figure something out. At this point, I feel like playing Trubisky is almost a better option than playing Nick Foles, just so you don't ruin your investment or trip up a bunch of his, uh, or like fire on a bunch of his incentive markers and charge the cap down the line. I don't know. Maybe that's a little slimy, but he's the only quarterback that's on contract for next year. So in one sense, maybe you want to see more of what you have in Nick Foles, but in another, Jack, don't you think we know enough? Like, don't you think we've we've got enough of what Nick Foles is and we ultimately know what he is? I think we knew what he is before he even came to town. Sure, yeah. He's the quarterback to help the rookie along the line next year. Right. <laughs> that's, that's what he is. That's exactly what he is. I mean, he's the guy who, he's the Ryan Finley, or not the Ryan Finley. Oh, my gosh, how am I forgetting this guy's name? Seahawks quarterback, he was a Green Bay guy for a little while. Uh, the one who was right in front of Russell Wilson. Any chance you remember his name? The one who set that, or he set the passing record in Lambeau for a little while there. I am 
dying here. Hang on, hang on. Now I gotta Google this. Okay. Uh, no, the uh, yeah, I just can't think of the name. Was it Matt Flynn? Yes. Flynn. That's the guy's name. It was Matt Flynn. Yeah, so Nick Foles is the Matt Flynn of whoever the new guy is. Basically. Basically, basically, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sucks that here we are. Uh, is it still November? I think it is. Yep, okay, so we didn't make it to December before the Bears' uh, season and playoff hopes. Do you think the Bears can still make the playoffs, Jack? If things go wrong for other teams, yeah. That makes sense. I think that's a good way to put it. Do you think that they are Super Bowl contenders this year? No, they'll go out first round. But Neither do I. Uh, I... I ask those questions out of necessity. I mean, maybe I'm just too weak to weak with the team, but it definitely hasn't felt like they were playoff contenders here for, I mean, gosh, since Tennessee, you could even make the argument since like Los Angeles, but since the Tennessee game, this team has felt like they were just in a downward spiral. And the worst part is that they've kept it up, right? That they didn't just let Tennessee roll off their backs and return to New Orleans form. That all of a sudden that New Orleans game and the Tampa Bay game, they look like fish out of water compared to what we've seen for the last three weeks in a row. Technically four if you count the bye week. But it's this is rough. The Bears are in a bad, bad place. And I would I'm dying to be positive about this team. I loved it in the first six weeks of the season. But here we are and I wish the, the the best thing I could say about this team is that if they manage to lose all their games, they have a real shot at the third best quarterback of this class, which matters because the third best quarterback of this class is either Zach Wilson or goodness gracious, it might be Justin Fields, depending on if the Jags or the Jets fall in love with Zach Wilson and just can't pass on the guy. But either way, those options are good options and it's, this it's one of those situations jack where i feel weird because it could be worse right it could be you could be uh actually i don't know what's worse like we sitting here uh, headed for eight and eight with a team that you don't think is going anywhere we haven't lost so much that we're guaranteed a game-changing quarterback but we haven't lost enough to be guaranteed uh or we haven't we haven't lost so much that we are well in the playoff race but we haven't lost enough to be promised that game-changing guy so i don't know like i i don't know where the bears go from here but i guess it starts with change at the top maybe the bears fire matt Nagy. that'd be interesting though i don't know if it would change anything and gosh i'm i'm just left grasping at straws right now yeah and uh if they did i think uh pace would be if matt Nagy goes then pace is on the hot seat i don't think they go together um but also, there's you know talk about whether or not Pace should get his should get another shot at a quarterback after Trubisky. Yep. After hey, how he, bad he has been. Exactly right, and and it's so complicated because you look at Pace's quarterback evals, and look, I don't think this is like totally fair either. But when your three notable quarterback acquisitions are Mitchell Trubisky, Mike Glennon, and Nick Foles, and absolutely nobody else, right? Like no Anthony Gordon, no like I'll I'll even talk names that don't necessarily matter, right? Like Anthony Gordon didn't exactly amount to much, but Gardner Minshew might be the best quarterback on the roster. He 
was a sixth round pick. Uh, the Bears have the Bears just haven't taken any other quarterbacks in any capacity, despite Pace saying that that's exactly what he was going to do. So much so, Jack, that I'll tell you that earnestly speaking, as bad as the Bears have been, I'm not so sure that Pace doesn't deserve a firing more than Matt Nagy. And I think the Nagy teams have been pretty rough since 2018. But from a talent perspective, the part that's even worse is that I don't know if outside of the defense, which obviously needs to be playing better, even though Matt Nagy doesn't or doesn't coach that side of the ball almost at all, according to reports, it's it's such a disaster because this offensive line that we've been playing with since Tennessee, not this one today, this one today seemed like they were actually moving the ball pretty well in the running game. They, they haven't been much to work with, but that, and that tends to fall more on the GM who thought that playing one of the least immobile quarterbacks in the NFL with an uh, offensive line that very likely would have been playing Rashad Coward was a good plan, but heck, I don't know. Maybe I just don't like the guy's style. Who knows? Well, you mentioned, you know, uh, picking up a quarterback every year was originally the plan and whatever happened to that plan. Because, yeah, when your quarterback situation isn't is as bad as the quarterback situation uh, for the Bears has been in the last, what, five years, you know, uh, since they really uh, since the door shut on whether or not uh, Cutler was getting another contract. Um, they just haven't picked up quarterbacks. You just need to keep taking swings. Keep trying until you found one that's good. And if they, you know, keep bringing them in on, yeah, sixth or seventh round picks or undrafted, bring them into the room. And if they stink, send them, send them on. Another team will want them on the practice squad. But yeah, they've, how long have they had Tyler Bray? Tyler Bray's spot should absolutely be filled by somebody that they can bring in and if he's bad send him on the next week bring somebody in if he's bad send him on they should be trying out every quarterback who doesn't have a job right now see but jack you gotta remember those quarterbacks they don't know the system it's all about that system now i mean heck i don't know what to tell you like yeah, you're talking the system about when it. somebody's open throw it to them I mean, I'll even use the lightning rod name that is Colin Kaepernick. Like, at what point do the Bears just try everybody out there? At what point do you try to coax Brett Favre out of retirement? That's a joke. I'm not being serious about that. But, like, it's it, – this this feels ridiculous, right? And I, I don't think that that's crazy to say. And I don't know where – or I don't know how things get better in the next five weeks, even weirder, Jack, as the Bears actually finally run up against a slate of games that are winnable. Like every single game for the rest of the season, as we close up shop here, the, okay, not every single game because they play the Packers again, but the four other games against the Lions, who just fired Matt Patricia, and I think they're GM too. So they, they could be more fired up. Who knows? It's always been a talented team that underperforms under Patricia, but it's a winnable game, as shown by the fact that we already won them. What, what? Earlier this year, though, the just fired your coach energy was real. I think with the uh, the Texans, mm -hmm. and uh, there was another the team. Falcons. The, the Falcons, Falcons won fired one their coach and won mm -hmm. the next week. You know that just fired your coach energy is real. So almost watch out for the Lions. Watch Especially out for the Lions. With, with how many with how many Lions players have come out and said, okay, now that he's gone, now I can tell you how much I did not like that guy. 
tons of them have like seriously and who knows maybe the bears the only reason that i would even speculate this is because they just got thumped by the packers on a bye week but maybe the bears will be encountering them with their own just fired their coach energy but i doubt it so right like you're saying the bears have to play the lions who have just fired their coach they get to play the vikings who will be scrapping for a playoff spot they'll need every win they can get they'll be playing the texans who looked really good against the lions let's just put it that way and then they play the jaguars and i actually think the bears could win that like they might not even need to show up to the field but but the jaguars have scored 20 plus points in the last bunch of games and that's so that's a bit of a monument for the bears so they'd have to score 20 plus points to match so the bears could very realistically lose all five of their remaining games which is kind of backbreaking to say don't you think like I don't think there's been a team in history that started 5-1 and one and then finished 0-11, but here we are. So, I don't know what I want. I think I want some wins, but I don't know which quarterback gets them those wins. I don't know what the line combination looks like to generate those, and I don't know how the defense can play any worse than they did today, so that's at least a positive, but ugh weird end of the season here jack i thought 2019 was bad this has been awful yeah it's just uh you know 2019 was regression and then further regression i guess you could say or you know 2020 we're finding the floor Mm -hmm. can it get any worse or do you think it only goes up from here oh it could definitely get worse they have five wins worse is without those five wins uh and, uh, you know, worse is what they got going on uh, in New York or New Jersey. Right. <laughs> uh, with the Jets. That's that's worse. Yeah, it that's definitely worse. does. Unless they get Lawrence and things actually turn around. But I mean, hey, we'll see. People have been saying that about the Jets for years, just like the Browns. And it hasn't. Well, the Browns, actually, they've put together a decent team. But I digress. I think they're on a long win streak right now. The Browns mm-hmm. are actually in good shape. They were talking about after the game, which surprised me. I haven't followed them that much this year. I well, am the, sick of Baker Mayfield commercials. The Browns are that team, Jack, that has ironically enough lived off of a good offensive line in a run game. So they've just pounded the rock. Like they're they're basically the Bears. Like what we would want the Bears to be with Miles Garrett and a pretty stingy defense overall and an offense that just keeps running the ball. But either way, we're starting to approach on time. I know you gotta go to bed soon. I don't blame you. I gotta edit this podcast. So Jack, here closing out the game, what would you say are your final thoughts? Uh final thoughts is I like Mooney a lot. I think Mooney is your wide receiver too. And uh, if Robinson uh, is gone after this year, I don't think he will be. Uh, But if this happens last year uh, in Chicago, then Mooney becomes your wide receiver one. Keep him at the top of your depth chart and uh, keep throwing him the ball. I totally agree. I mean, Mooney's awesome. My final thought is that Bears fans, it can get better from here. Like, the bright side is that we enter a weird part of the season where if you let go of the playoff hopes and you just want to win games, you can go into every Sunday wanting to win, but also knowing that losses are helpful. I've never done a tank thing well either. Like, never. And if I if I successfully carry the tank energy here home, know that it will be my first time because losing sucks. And watching the Bears go down 10-41 to 41 is never fun, but... I came into this game expecting 31 to 13 and we didn't do that. 
just to say the least. Instead, it was well, well beyond that by the third quarter, and thankfully the Packers had the decency to let us score two touchdowns afterwards. So from here, I don't know what happens. I guess I wait for the Lions game, right? And maybe the Lions will actually throw zones at Mitchell Trubisky or whoever the Bears starter is. But who knows? I don't know if it'll be as easy as it has been because Matt Patricia isn't there to call the plays. So the Lions could actually be a tougher out than we anticipate. And if the Bears end up fourth in the NFC North, Jack, after all of this, like dead last, that is going to be nothing short of backbreaking. But we'll see where it goes. There's no weeks where the Bears aren't playing coming up, so that's a positive as much as it is to watch football. So at this point, it's just about seeing how seeing the way things shake out. Either way, I think right now the Bears are on course for a full reset, but things can change, and all it takes is a couple good plays. The bright side is that the Bears roster isn't devoid of nice pieces with guys like David Montgomery and um, or David Montgomery, Darnell Mooney, Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, who did not have a very good night tonight, uh, Roquan Smith, and Bilal Nichols, and others. There are some young pieces they could build on, but we'll have to get there in a little bit. Tonight is a night of mourning because this Packers team may have killed the Bears playoff hopes. So at that point, we move on. Jack? Thank you so much for coming on. Go ahead and let the folks online know where to find you. All right. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter uh, at Jack R. Salo. That's my first name, Jack, middle initial R, Salo, S-A-L-O. And uh, thank you so much for having me. Well, Jack, I'm sorry that I had the enunciation on your name wrong all this time. Not a problem. Thank you no, so much for jumping on. Yep. Thanks so much for having me. And Bears fans, that's going to do it for this one. Tough game, as have been the last two, but hey, we're moving along together, and we'll see where things go from here. Who knows? Maybe we'll be waking up to some interesting news tomorrow, though the Bears have never fired a coach in season, so I wouldn't go anticipating it anytime soon. If you like what I have to say, feel free to follow me over on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz or on YouTube at Run Pass Opinion, especially if you want to see a weekly breakdown of the game, where I do that on stream every Wednesday at 9. And again, you can find Jack on Twitter at the handle he specified earlier. It's been a tough season for us Bears fans, but hang in there. Things have to get better at some point, whether now or in the offseason. But until then, Bears fans, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me. Bears.